On January 17, 2020, Thomas Falva's dad called 911 to report that his son, Thomas, had fallen while waiting for his school bus outside their Long Island, New York home and was unconscious. Thomas was rushed to Long Island Community Hospital but was pronounced dead upon arrival. Thomas's cause of death was a homicide with a major contributing factor, hypothermia. Welcome to Her Community 2 podcast. This series will cover the tragic death of Thomas Falva and the house of horrors where he lived with his brothers and his father and the father's fiance. Of course, this ongoing series will have no monetary compensation or sponsors. We are your hosts, Catherine and Dorothy Hill. Now we begin. The warning signs were everywhere. Ignored along the way to little Thomas Falva's heartbreaking death inside a freezing Long Island garage. The mother, Justina Valva, embroiled in a bitter divorce with her husband, Michael Valva, lost custody of her sons after a September 6, 2017 order from a Nassau County judge. She barred her from seeing the boys. The mother, as recounted in her real-time writings about the case, spent the next 18 months absolutely terrified for her children's safety. One day later, CPS caseworker Edward Heap closed three investigations into the father's treatment of his children. He omitted the January beating incident from his report. In November 2018, court-appointed lawyer Donna McCabe was singing the praises of Alva and Polina, even as teachers at the boys' schools were repeatedly calling the state child abuse hotline. Okay, so we're here with this edition of Her Community 2. We were focusing on the case of Thomas Fava. With me tonight is permanent host Dorothy Hill. Uh, we will be dis- discussing this, going through a timeline, and also the people who are involved, which is the teachers, the school administration, um, the, uh, the CPS, uh, everything um, that's involved and intertwined it with this case. I think there's a share of blame everywhere, don't you think, Dorothy? Absolutely, yes. It's really sad. Okay, so we have the dad. Okay, so we have the dad, Michael Valva, and we have the mother, Angela. I mean, I'm sorry, Justina. They get married in 2004. They have three boys. Thomas is in the middle. Uh, in 2009 of July, the couple gave birth to their firstborn. So from 2004 to 2009... They were married for five years, so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm assuming nothing much went on. Correct? You think? I, I wasn't there. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but you know, but speaking, you know, we talked about. But this they earlier. waited a long time. Yeah, yes. they they, they right. waited a while, so they really got to know each other. She got to know him in the right. first five years of marriage, which is crucial because it's an adjustment period. You guys are living together, blah 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 blah, and so then they had these kids. So obviously, I'm gonna pretty. It, pretty much uh, believe that it was very safe to say that they planned the firstborn since it was five years into the marriage. That's my opinion. I guess, I mean, the, the horrific, horrific event, you know, was in, was in 2020. 
um, Justina Zubko Valva uh, is is was his wife. That you know the three boys they had together. Uh, Angela Polina was Michael's fiance. I found it interesting that he got he got engaged to someone before his divorce was finalized. But I suppose some people do that. They do that, yeah, because the marriage probably broke down years ago, and then he was already disconnected. So in February 2011, the marriage begins to fray, even before Thomas was born. So the court records show Justina uh, reports that she suffered verbal and financial abuse from her husband. Before, before the Anthony was born? Uh, yeah, because she reported this on February 4th, 2011. Uh, there was a uh, intake appointment at a safe center in Long Island that she wow. stayed at, a Nassau County agency that provides support to victims of domestic violence. So she filled out the paperwork and she qualified for their assistance. Mm-hmm. So clearly there was physical and financial abuse, meaning she, you know, she worked and he probably took all the money in and... I mean, she can't leave if she doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Know? So Thomas was born in 2011. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the older brother, Anthony, and both of them are later diagnosed with autism. Is that common to have more than one autistic child? I have heard of it, Catherine. But, you, you know, one has to wonder if the abuse that, you know, was occurring in the household may have caused you know some type of you know developmental delays uh you know i did i did read that andrew is the youngest so it's anthony thomas and then andrew right and all right so in 2014 valva michael the dad moves out of the family's home in 2014 Mm -hmm. um justina which is the mother accuses valva in court she, um, I'm sorry, she uh, accuses Valva of abandonment with her and the kids. Mm-hmm. She claims that he strangled her and has been having an affair with Angela Polina, who is the future fiance right. of Michael Valva. So mm-hmm. he totally left the family home. So, yeah, so that's really easy to say that he totally abandoned her and the kids. He of walked course. away. Okay, so he walked away. And so how does someone like that get custody of the three kids? That's pretty, I thought it was pretty rare when a judge uh, won't let the kids, especially that young, stay with the mother. Well, there are, you know, here we are on Long Island, (laughs) uh, Suffolk County and Nassau County uh, are known to have extremely corrupt family court judges not all I've, I've had experience with some very fair ones i i went before one female one in my experience you know to be able to spend time with my stepsons and have my children spend time with their stepbrothers after my my divorce and i, I as i mentioned to you on the former long island serial killer series of podcasts you know, i'm a survivor of domestic violence in my second marriage to um you know, I'm very public about it, Chris Wolf, and uh, everything is documented. I have police reports, so I can't be sued for slander because he he was abusive. And so I know to this extent that, you know, Justina having gone to the safe center, I went to the safe center too. I was glad that they helped her, Catherine. Uh, I read horrific stories about Michael Valva, the father, having verbally abused Thomas in the house Santa Mauritius where he lived with his you know, then fiance 
but no, her, that's horrific. Domestic, I mean, financial abuse, abandonment, verbal abuse, psychological abuse. I, she, I have met Justina in person. She's an incredibly sweet woman, loves her son so much. And it's, it is so incredibly sad what, what that family has been through. It really has. Uh, so in July of 2016, Justina tells Nassau County here on Long Island, CPS, that mm -hmm. Vava has been abusing the boys and from the transcripts. And then during a hearing, she tells the judge that her sons come home extremely thirsty and hungry after visits with their father in his home. So that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me if, you know, he was working long hours in NYPD. He was abusive. Uh, didn't really sound like he was engaged to, you know, uh, a gem of a, a gem of a future stepmom. You know, I mean, I, I was a stepmom to two boys. And I remember one night, each child, Catherine had four different wishes for Chinese, like, you know, beef and broccoli or chicken and cashews. And I had like four burners going one for each of the kids. I mean, I love my stepsons like my own and they, you know, if they're listening to it today, they know that I love them truly. And I still love them. I can't even imagine the house of horrors that you that can't was. because when you I, date I, a woman, it's, it's great. When you date a woman and she's got children, you pretty much will think that she's on the up and up because right you, you know she's a single mom and if she's right. got children then she's already a mother yes she's already a mother so in september of 2017 a nassau county judge awards temporary custody to valva during a hearing mm -hmm. um yes custody hearing is called yes oh okay so yeah so they, uh, Justina can visit her children with unsupervised visits every other weekend and at that hearing Justina was representing herself what do you think of that well first of all uh, I mean I know of some people who have represented themselves and they've done well but for the most part there's such a corrupt system Catherine and I would never wish this on anyone um the secret sauce I I ascertained was get a lawyer from who is who is licensed in the state of New York but doesn't normally operate within Nassau or Suffolk County because the judges and lawyers as well as the forensic evaluators and the court appointed uh, what they call the guardian ad litems assigned to the children that it, it's it's a it's a criminal enterprise I, I can't even begin to tell you how these people are in bed with each other how they hang out at golf clubs there's a wink wink nod nod probably bribes paid in one form or another it is incredibly corrupt it does not shock me at all that michael valva was able to attain that level of custody and the other thing that's quite odd is in cases like that where she presented evidence of abuse evidence of domestic violence uh, it's really, Catherine, it really comes down to his attorney's relationship with the judge and the fact that they didn't get 50-50, you know, shared custody, 50-50 legal right. custody. I mean, I know for a fact that because of his his standing, quote unquote, as an NYPD transit office, not even NYPD full-fledged officer, you know, you know the system better than I, but a transit officer. Um, he also slandered her and said that she had alcohol issues. It, those he 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 must have been a monster in the courtroom, or his lawyers were very successful in working out that arrangement. But that is heartbreaking. This, this Justina loves 
her sons to the moon and back. I, I mean, just listening to her testimony, her speak by the court, it is truly heartbreaking what what the system, and I, again, I'm going to call it a criminal, wasn't criminal court, it wasn't district court, but family court is very corrupt and in my view needs to be needs to be completely dismantled and start again gosh you know what don't even start again put it put everything into civil court criminal court and screw excuse my friend screw the family courts because they are very corrupt exactly and that's what <laughs> we we hear so much of that time and time again yes so in the fall of 2017 okay it's a big change now anthony and thomas are enrolled by their dad to east Moriches elementary school where the staff expresses concern yes. about abuse yes. and a special education teacher even writes in a memo titled Valva Family Concerns that the boys are not getting enough food to eat. Yes. Anthony loses 11 pounds in nine months while Thomas only gained just one pound in 20 months time. And Catherine, you know and I know as mothers on Long Island whose children have been in public schools, the, the medical reports that are submitted at the elementary school level, it's on an annual basis and they are very detailed, blood pressure, weight, height. Mm -hmm. They have the little graph where they show the growth trajectory. All the nurses and doctors in the school system have those reports. You're right. They were not gaining weight. They came into school hungry. Their eyes, you know, they came into school with urine soaked shoes and socks. Can you imagine how disgusting I mean, I think if I had been a teacher in that school and I had noticed this and I had sat down and by the way, they're supposed to be trained in signs of abuse. Mm -hmm. I would have had the state authorities or even the federal agents in crawling all over Michael Valva, but that's just me. But let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would too, to be honest with you. So in January 2018, CPS reports that a social worker meets with Thomas, who has a mark under his right eye. Mm -hmm. Thomas says his mother did it, but he couldn't elaborate any details. And Thomas also denies that his father punishes them by putting them out in the cold. So it's pretty obvious that he was lying because he's afraid. Don't you right, think? It, it, right. It's, it's a combination of, uh, you know, the uh, the psychological term, you know, being afraid of your kidnapper, so forth. But it's also, uh, the, you know, the fear of retaliation, the fear of, of additional threats or further harm. Uh, I did hear a disgusting vocal recording of Michael Valva and Justina coaxing the boys to say things against their mother it th these children this is mind control this is emotional yes. emotional and psychological manipulation which is a extreme form of child abuse obviously physical child abuse sexual child abuse but what they did to the boys in turning them against their mother yeah that's that's on a whole level of evil, no matter what you say. I, I at least I think so. That's just you, you, that means you're messing with the kid's head. Yes, and they're young. Oh my gosh! If you think about it, all three boys were under the age of ten, right? Yeah, they were very, very young. Um, so I'm gonna s skip over to um, but now we're going to February two twenty eighteen. Mm -hmm. So CPS says Justina has is uh, uh, indicated for an inadequate 
guardianship, okay, of the boys citing deteriorating uh, mental state. Another report states an investigation which produces evidence to show the actions of Valva placing his children at risk of becoming physically, mentally, and emotionally harmed. So she had to have maybe, how did she, she must have had some evidence to show that he was mentally unstable and, yes. you know. Yes, 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 she had, yes, she recorded, one of the boys I believe had a recording backpack, I watched a video, that was the first time I came across this case, when I found her Twitter page, I remember, Catherine, it was a Friday night, I had come home from work, or uh, wrapped up, and then I, someone told me about it, I went on, I sat on my couch, I watched the video of, of the return of the boy, actually she was handing the boys over to the father um there was a you know disagreement and i could tell from the father's body language um how he was interacting with his sons there was something seriously wrong you know you you, you sometimes see that you know with a sometimes like end of weekend or beginning of weekend or custody handover there was something seriously wrong and i remember watching that and then reading all of her tweets because she didn't have account justina about you know Polish maiden name and Velva. She had a different name, but I knew all those tweets were by her. I, I, Catherine, I broke down crying. I, yeah, they were pretty so sad. Horrified. That was the night. That was the night I broke down crying, reading this woman's account and, and, and pleading and saying, I went to the authorities. I went to the federal agency. I went to the New Suffolk County police. I went to so many authorities. And I, in my case, on the domestic violence and my second husband, and his his role in in you know Oak Beach and Joseph Brewer, but I felt like immediate empathy for her going to all these local, state, and federal authorities only to be ignored. Then I knew she was yeah. onto something. I knew this mom was onto something. I didn't know what the well. You know when something's wrong. You know I, when something's up with your kids. I'm sure because with any type of abuse, they're going to act different. Um, right. And- I mean, I I was very fortunate because I rate I got custody of my twins when they were quite young, like four. So I had full residential legal custody, living in the city and then moving to Long Island. So I didn't have to go through that back and forth, hand the kids over. But I've heard from other parents how grueling it can be. But Catherine, the worst part is that you know sharing custody with an abuser because it, they don't stop. Not they don't all of a sudden say, "Well, I'm divorcing you and I'm going to be a nice person." The, these people are mentally ill. And they take out, they project their anger and their unresolved childhood issues onto their ex-spouse and to the children. And and we have a big problem in our society. And this is exactly the type of example where it goes so far, just similar to Jacqueline Franchetti with her little baby daughter, what they, that the Nassau County Family Courts allowed her to be taken out of state and the baby daughter was murdered in her crib and then the father took his own life. This Justina did the same thing. She went to the judges, Catherine, and she warned them how dangerous Michael Valvo was, and her pleas were ignored. Yes, they were. Definitely, they were ignored. Um, April 2018, Valvo completes a parenting skills program. The school psychologist states that the biggest concern that he has is that Valva and Polina do not understand the depth of Thomas and Anthony's disabilities. The boys are afraid to go to the nurse's office because both Valva and Polina, the dad and the future, or the fiance at this point, Mm -hmm. repeatedly told them not to go to the nurse's office. And 
I guess they were going all the time that, you know, there was concerns of them, you know, having urine on them soaked. Uh, they weren't eating properly and they were caught digging through the garbage for food. And then Michael Valva, I, I, I really, do you believe that he took the parenting class by on his own or do you think he had to? I believe it was court mandated, but the fact that they didn't understand the seriousness is A, uh, that there's such extreme abusers or B and or some both of them have some type of mental illness but I'm not making an excuse for them right no All no no I'm no, saying, no because I'm gonna be honest with you not- I think it's a lack of knowledge of what's going on because uh I right now because, and, and that's only because I don't have an autistic child in my life so I really wouldn't know the depth of the disability and from what I understand on autism there's many 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 different levels Yes. of severity with, with autistic children. So these two kids who both have autism, they might be on different levels um, on different things. And I think it can be overwhelming, especially for an officer who's working, always have overtime. And I forgot what Paulina did. Do you know what she did uh, for a living? I, uh, I don't I don't know. I just, I know that the house was in her name. I just have to say, Catherine, like for the record, um, you know, Michael Valva, NYPD transit officer, must have been fairly bright. I mean, you can't be stupid to, to pass the entrance exam. And it's really no excuse. I mean, he knew that Justina was taking at least one of the boys, maybe two, working really hard to take them to specialists in, in Manhattan. And he wasn't helping out and he wasn't supportive of that. My view is that he's a a, a typical abuser who is ignoring the issues at hand right and you know i have known people in my life who like you shake your head and say how could you be so oblivious to this person's needs or or brushing it under the rug uh you know i i obviously michael valva knew that his sons had been diagnosed with various uh mental health and and learning disabilities because he was he had access to the school reports he had access to all of the specialist reports there's no excuse Catherine you're right and there's none Absolutely. and if he's marrying a woman right he's marrying a woman to be mm-hmm. in the same home he had darn well better sit down with her and brief her or go together sit down at the school but again I, I my looking at their lifestyle and the Yankees games and whatnot I just believe they were very caught up in their materialistic lifestyle and ignored the boy's needs. And and, and that's a big part of her lawsuit. Um, I hope she wins every penny. I hope so, too. I really do. So this is where it starts getting interesting. This is where other people are finding out what's going on in the home. Mm-hmm. In the fall of 2018, DPS interviews the school psychologist who reiterates her concern about Valva not understanding the boy's needs The school also expresses concerns about Anthony's weightlessness and the boys have been digging food from the garbage to eat. Now, that should have been the first flag right there. If they're digging for food and kids losing weight, kids don't lose weight. They right. They outgrow what weight they have as they're growing. Right. Right. Unless they're sick or some other ailment. Absolutely. So for that's, kids to dig in the trash, that's 
that's when everything should have been put to a halt and well, investigation. School, right. That's what the school officials claim that they reported it and whatnot. But it's off. It's clear to me that that particular public school system did not have the proper protocols for escalating, some, you know, red flags of child abuse. There are situations where kids lie to the, you know, they don't want to do their homework or they don't want to do X, Y, or Z, or they they lie to the social worker. But I'd say that most of the, you know, like you said, Mark, he had marks, uh, urine, they weren't properly cared for. Um, and also the other big question mark to me is, um, why was Justina not allowed to go into that school and meet with the teachers and meet with the principal, meet with the social worker, meet with the nurse. She was somehow prevented from doing so. As a mother of children, I would be fighting tooth and nail. That just shows you that something happened in the court system to prevent her from doing so. Even if you're working full-time, you're still able to take some time out during lunch break and call the school officials and or nurse and or submit letters. I mean, maybe because she didn't have an attorney or she wasn't well connected with this amazing advocacy group of moms that we have on Long Island, but but somehow her pleas for help fell on deaf ears. Yeah, they sure did. It's like they weren't even listening to her. So they, they were right. he, she had been so discredited by Michael. And I know that from personal experience my second husband did that to me until I finally went in and met with the school officials and like um yeah you know what my ex-husband has an axe to grind because he's involved in criminal activities next so but it, I think it was hard <laughs> right. I think it was hard for her to do that Catherine it probably was was challenging she was she was maybe she was so dejected by his abuse that she didn't have I, I just don't know I'm not I'm not in her shoes all I know is that the schools have a responsibility to also bring in a private investigator if necessary. That wasn't done. No, it wasn't done because in February, 2019, so we're going from the fall of 2018 to now to February, two, 2019, mm -hmm. a report to CBS, uh, CPS states that for at least a week, Anthony has come to school with his clothes and backpack soaked with urine and Valva and Polina are not addressing this issue. So, Okay, the kid in a week's time coming to school every day with soaked with urine and the backpack. Nobody thinks this is an intervention is needed to get the kids out of the home. They should have been Catherine. That is one of the most horrific things I've ever heard of on Long Island anywhere in the U.S. And the poor child. Yes, the smell, being bullied. It was bad enough that you know dealing with special needs. But what really is perplexing to me is yes, I read stories about some of the you know, uh, school staff that felt sorry and would give them food and whatnot. But that to me should have gone straight up to the superintendent and straight up to the CPS, the senior ranks of CPS in Suffolk County. But again, it's just a testament to the fact that Michael Valva had enough pull and had enough power. That's completely unacceptable that those children suffered on a daily basis, when hungry, lost weight, were so scared. Can you imagine being eight years old and so scared and being told by your father, do not go to the nurse? What happens if they hurt their, they stub their toe with the lockers? Or I don't know if they had lockers. What happens if they got hurt on the playground and they couldn't go to the nurse? That is, that is extreme child abuse. It is, it is. So, okay, so now we're going from February to March. A report to CPS, man, CPS was busy with this. 
A report to CPS states Vava and Polina are telling Anthony, who's the oldest, to act out in school and on the bus so because they want him to be transferred to another special needs school. According to an anonymous report, again, this, that report was not so, it might have been a family friend. Valva and Polina do not adequately feed Thomas. Um, let me see, where am I? Oh, they feed Thomas or the other kids. Mm -hmm. They're losing weight and the father punishes Anthony by putting him in the cold garage for long periods of time. So this is now, this is coming out. Yeah. Okay. In March of 2019, it was reported that Anthony has slept in the garage. Because remember, oh. um, Thomas passed away in January of 2020. So we're yes. almost uh, 10 months, you know, yes. before that. So somebody did say something. And again, nothing happened. And also the way that that garage is on the side of the house. I always wondered, like, didn't the neighbors hear? Didn't the neighbors see? But I guess behind closed walls, no one really saw that. And it, the garage for the listener's uh, edification was not insulated or heated. And you wouldn't even put your dog in there, let alone a child. No. And I try, I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate because my neighbor has three kids. I wouldn't know if they were being abused or treated well. They seem okay when they walk past my house to go to the bus stop. But again, how how would I, someone like me, know? I wouldn't know. So the neighbors of all the probably just didn't know. Right. So, you the, know. So, the, right. so the people who really did know, who saw the children on a daily basis, were the school staff, the school nurse, the school principal. And, and the school principal, for something as serious as that, what, do they have so many cases of situation of, of well, your, that, that they that, that it's like a dime a dozen no this should be a very exceptional case of a child losing weight scared obviously and they again like i said these school officials need to be trained in how to detect signs of child abuse because it just reading the reports it would be clear to the average person that something was very wrong with those children and something was very wrong going on at home exactly and i thought they were already trained aren't they they have by law yes but i I question the quality of that training or its effectiveness. Okay. Now, in July of 2019, the divorce proceedings continue before a Nassau County judge. Justina notes that she has not seen her children in 18 months. Oh, my goodness. She repeats her attention that the children are being abused in the home of her estranged husband. She also states that Anthony is sleeping in a cold garage and not being fed adequately. So she tells the court what she knows to a judge. She hasn't seen the mother of young children was not able to see her children in 18 months. It's truly horrific. And I, I don't know what type of order protection he Michael got against her and on what grounds. But I'll tell you, if I were to go in and read the application, Again, all eyes go to the judge. It's the judge in family court that makes the decision about the custody and visitation. And this is not a, a mom who's dealing drugs or crack addict or involved in sex trafficking or putting her children's life at risk. This was a very protective, loving mom with a deep faith who wanted nothing more than to protect her boys from further harm. She warned the judge, she warned other people about 
how dangerous Michael, and she was very concerned about Angela Paulina as well as, as being unfit. Now, let me ask you this because this is, was in family court. Do you think maybe, um, and again, I'm not pointing fingers, but do you think maybe they hear so much of this in divorce court or in custody battles of sexual abuse, physical abuse to win the kids, even though that's not really happening, the abuse. So the judges just, they hear that so much that it falls on deaf ears, do you think? Because if somebody says, my kids are being abused at home, wouldn't they try to do an investigation? Well, they're or- supposed to by law. They're supposed to when any allegations of child abuse. That's the role of, you know, Department of Social Services, Catherine, and CPS in particular. They're supposed to go to the house. They're supposed to visit with Justina. They're supposed to sit down and interview family members. They don't. There is absolutely zero forensic investigation of a claim of child neglect and or child abuse such that the accusing party has the upper hand and the person being accused of neglect and or child abuse who is not committing that is guilty until proven innocent. That is the main problem with the Nassau and Suffolk County family courts. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have seen that happen in family court with my own two eyes with in other people's cases. And it's completely unfair and again, another reason why we need to dismantle it. Justina truly suffered. Can you imagine three children under the age of 10 and she did not see them for 18 months? And I would question, why didn't she go like pick them up after school and take them to, you know, like an art therapy class? She was being kept away from her sons. By whom? By Michael and, 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 and Angela. And I believe, wasn't she also paying child support to him during that time? That I don't know. I couldn't find that out. Okay. All right. Well, that's, I, I really, yeah. I, that's, I, yeah. That's one thing I couldn't find out. Okay. So in December 2019, the month before Thomas passed away, a friend and an advocate for Justina writes a 12 page letter to a judge, deputy chief of administrative, uh, responsible for overseeing the operations of local town and village courts. The advocate wants the judge from Justina and Michael's divorce removed from Justina's divorce case for the treatment of Justina, which was poorly. Also requests the Valva children be removed from the home of their father to Justina. Yes. This was one month before he died. Oh, so sad. So sad. And by the way, Justina had already gone to so many authorities, Catherine. She had gone to uh, local authorities. She had gone to state and she had gone to federal authorities. Can you imagine? No, I couldn't. And she was probably deathly afraid. So in January 2020, uh, in a letter dated January 16th, a senior court analyst responds to the advocate's letter to the judge, who's the deputy chief of the courts, cannot discuss the case with him, the advocate, because he is not and he's not a party to it. Mm. The next day, January 17th, Suffolk police officers respond to the Volvo home at 9.40 a.m. after receiving a 911 call reporting that Thomas has fallen in the driveway. Mm -hmm. Thomas is transported to Long Island Community Hospital where he is pronounced dead. It's right up to the last day. Oh my goodness. She was fighting for these kids. Of course. Right up to the last day. And so there was no goodbye. She didn't get to kiss him goodnight, say, I love you. Right. Horrific. It's so horrific. 
And we went to the candlelight vigil. Me and you. Yeah. We all met with uh, with Lisa Ludwig, Kathy Cole. Um, I believe Margaret Breslin was there. Best, and yes, Margaret Besson. We and we saw Justina how broken she was. Remember that? Yes, was of just, course. I'll never forget. I'll never forget it either. She just looks so broken, and it's so heartbreaking to see something like that. Of so, course. An investigation by Suffolk Police homicide detectives revealed that Thomas and Anthony had been forced to sleep without blankets, mattress, or pillows in the garage of the night of January 16th, where the temperature outside, oh. and I remember this, oh, yes. the temperature outside dipped to 19 degrees. Okay. Yes. Autopsy results, Thomas's death was caused by hypothermia. So that's, that's it. That was because, and do you think it was probably colder than 19 degrees? Because don't forget, they were sleeping on concrete. Yes, I think it was colder. And you think about the air, you know, in a, in a I think it was a two-car garage. And mm-hmm. also the fact is that, you know, Catherine there, you know, that morning, uh, there was, I know for a fact that there was some physical altercation with the father and one of the sons on the staircase. And that always like concerned me because staircases are very common uh, uh, item in domestic violence and child abuse. Like I was pushed on a, a, a set of stairs. Um, a very, very famous journalist on Long Island pulled his wife down the stairs physical. They got divorced, obviously. <laughs> I shouldn't say obviously, but she divorced him. And also, uh, he Thomas had stumbled and fallen and Angela made a comment allegedly I'm saying allegedly because I don't know exactly what the video or the testimony says but that he had fallen and uh, there is belief that the father Michael strangled him choked him to death and that means that first of all it was a lie that he did not fall in the driveway that was a cover, right that was a cover-up and when they took Michael, Michael Valva left the house, Angela Polina stayed behind to delete video. Did you know that? I, I think I did. I think even, you must've told me that last year. I think you did, or somebody did. It, that's, this is not the first time I'm hearing about it now. And that's just horrific because it's obviously a cover up of horrific child abuse. And also the other boys, you know, over the last year, the two surviving sons have been telling their mother about what they experienced. She recorded some of it. It's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. You know, we're going to have a lot to discuss in some future segments about how this criminal activity goes beyond the House of Horrors. But suffice to say that those boys should have never, ever been in the custody of their father. That's, no, that's I, you know, and I, and I totally agree. So the last part is in June 2020. Just well, and, and again, this is not the end. We're going to have several episodes with this because this is layer after layer after layer. Yes. Um, June 2020, Justina Valva files a 200 million federal lawsuit claiming Long Island officials charged with protecting Thomas. Oh no, I'm sorry. Years without protecting Thomas, they ignored years of warnings of sexual abuse, beating, starvation, and neglect that resulted in the death of Thomas. The 99-page lawsuit says a Nassau judge 
Suffolk Child Protective Services, mm -hmm. employees of East Mauritius School officials, and others yes. who were complicit in her son's death. Yes. And I remember um, Kathy was trying to tell her, you know, you, you got to file. You know, you have like so many days. Right. Uh, I forgot how many days it was, but you have so many days. And Kathy met with her at the courts, took a picture with her. Yes. Um, remember that? Yes. And That's so, your limitations, right. And so, and uh, of course, you and I and, um, and other women, uh, we created a Facebook group um, to talk about, you know, the healing and, and, and what happened and... Of course, that's a whole other circus we we could touch on on another time. But that was a huge circus. Don't you remember that? Well, yes. The main issue is that there were parties um, who were, you know, slandering us. And, you know, this is a group of, you know, some of, I believe, you know, some of the most courageous women who, you know, many of us have been through corruption and have had to battle um, you know, as whistleblowers and exposing corruption. So it was a very strong group of women supporting Justina, you know, to be there for her. We have navigated the courts, many of us. We wanted to give her helpful advice. We weren't, none of us were collecting money. None of us did it for the money or fame. We did it to support another mother who had uh, lost lost her baby boy. I mean, not I mean I say baby, he was a middle child. Her, her angel, you know, she calls him her angel, Thomas, her angel. And again, that death was preventable, Catherine. And I also look very closely at the school officials and employees because that's where the boys spent most of their time outside the home. And I don't know if it's a reflection of poor training. I don't know if Michael Valvo was so convincing, but regardless of what he said about his ex-wife, regardless of the status of their divorce proceedings, the number one focus for those school officials, teachers, nurses, and others was the health and safety of those boys. I couldn't agree more. Um, we're at the end and um, I want you to um, dig in a little deeper to, if you wanna do Michael Valva, I'll do Polina just to see what was their state of mind? How did it come to this point where both of them were acting in this manner? You know, like the boys, there was no go-to parent. It was either the dad or the future stepmom, and they had nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. So that way we can compare to see what led up to that. Because usually if a dad is real abusive, the mother will say, no, don't hit the kids, don't do this. Or the other way around, if the mother's screaming at the kids or whatever, the dad's all like, you know, calm down, you know. But they both equally were monsters. 100% agree. Both monsters. So we're going to go ahead and end it right here. So thanks, Dorothy, so much until we go to the next episode. Yes. Take care. Thank you, Catherine. Have a nice evening. Thank That's it for this episode of our ongoing series of the Thomas Valva case. We want to say a sincere thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. Without you, her community too would not exist. Please rate us and leave a review on the platform where you listen to us on. Also, you can visit us on our website, www.her-community-2.net. Until next time, have an awesome day, be safe, and take care of one another.